lot to get into. And typically, we like to try to talk about the things that are interesting to us, i.e. college football, and then we typically go from there. But I don't think there are much more interesting things uh, happening in the pop culture world right now than what we saw last night. Uh, Will Smith smacked the hell out of Chris Rock, and that's basically uh, the gist of that story on national television at the Academy Awards. Walked up to Chris Rock on stage, slapped the hell out of him uh, on international television, I should say. Not even national television. International uh, television. Now, some backstory to this here. Chris Rock, one of the hosts at the Academy Awards last night, made a joke toward Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, uh, saying she looks like she was getting ready for her role in G.I. Jane 2. Now, Jada Pinkett Smith is, I don't want to say bald, but has very short hair, like buzz cut level hair right now, uh, but it's because she suffers from an autoimmune dis disorder uh, that causes hair loss. So not a fashion statement, a disease uh, causing Jada Pinkett Smith to lose her hair. And so after the joke from Chris Rock, Will Smith walked up and then used his training, I guess, from when he was Ali uh, and just... Gave him the old five fingers to the face. Walked back down to his seat. Uh, got muted here in North America, but uh, around the globe, you can go find the video if you want to. Uh, Will Smith was still talking at Chris Rock uh, after that. So, PJ, your immediate reaction to Will Smith, a icon, a, I'd say one of the top three, four actors, at least like for our generation growing up, Slapping Chris Rock on television. Uh, the the immediate uh, reaction was uh, honestly I I didn't get to see it live. I uh, ended up seeing it on social media and things like that. Well, uh, my immediate reaction was just nah, that's photoshopped or something or staged, right? There, there's no way that 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 happened. Uh, and then watched it, and uh, not only watched it, watched uh, Chris Rock's reaction, obviously, and I was like, holy, holy cow, like, this is, that was not staged. This is uh, something that legit, because there's so many things that happen at those shows normally, right, that, like, are, are there to get your reaction and, and just kind of be a crazy thing, that that's almost been now instilled in my head, like, oh, okay, no way that's real, haha, <laughs> funny stuff, and uh, it, obviously it was not, but I mean, there's a lot of different it, things, right? It was a little funny. Yeah. It was a little it's, funny. It's it's crazy. That, I mean, yeah, there's 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 a lot going on there. I mean, even um, I think Chris Rock's not only that, but his his like reaction uh, to that happening and kind of catching himself, but also I kind of respect the fact that he he looked back at Will Smith for a second. And if, if there's other comedians up there, right, he kind of started to say he started to say something along the lines of like, I, I could go further, but he didn't. You know, there, there are other jokes to be made, you know, the, but, but yeah. he didn't go there and, and got back on script, which was good. I thought that that's great because there's a lot of, you know, other stuff uh, with that situation and whatnot. But uh, no, I thought. Of course, the the joke maybe out of out of taste a little bit, but because of um, you know her disease and what she has. At the same time, 
I know some comedians just make jokes to make they they see a joke and they make it right. They don't necessarily figure out the backstory of of why something's the way it is. They just make the joke. Um, so was was he that? Uh, I know. Well, let's get down to nitty gritty. Should Will Will Smith have slapped him? Uh, Like you're sitting there with a loved one, with your significant other. They have a disorder that obviously makes them uncomfortable. Uh, And then on international television, someone standing on stage making fun of them for that disorder. What, like, knowingly or not, someone's making fun of them for that. Yeah, no matter what. Are you, Um, you, you, you smacking somebody? Let's, if it's your mom. Right. You know me, dude. Like, I, I try and uh, I'm I'm not by any means like a pacifist, I guess. But, like, uh, my, my parents always told me, right, you don't start the fight, but you finish it at the same time. Right? You stand up for yourself if you need to. Um, so to to that end, you know, just just immediate reaction. I mean, I, I'm not mad at him for it. You know, I, I could see myself or a loved one doing that for sure and i wouldn't necessarily uh, chastise him that much okay so um here, there, there's right. a lot of time though in between like him at the table and walking all the way up there to think about what you're about to do and oh no no it was very deliberate but, that was not a spur of the yeah, moment thing he had plenty no. of steps to think about that right so no but, he might have held back even like you know he might have walking up there been been like i'm gonna do something more he said i'm gonna punch him and then he's like "Mm, all right just a just a slap yeah yeah, just a slap all right so the other point i want to get to a couple more actually here uh there's now a huge push on social media at least uh for will smith to have to give his oscar back because he won it for his performance in king richard uh the story of richard williams uh serena and venus's dad uh, he won his first Academy Award there for that, and long time coming, right? Like, probably should have won it for Pursuit of Happiness, but that's just me. Uh, right. So, long time coming for Will Smith. He wins it, and now a lot of people are saying he should have to give it back. My point to that would be the Academy hasn't asked for Harvey Weinstein's awards back yet, so, right. like, maybe start there, and then we can work our way down through, like, the list of horrifying things that Academy Award winners have done and yep. then we can get to Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Yep. Yep. No, I would agree with that. It, it's it's at the forefront. One, it's at the forefront of everyone's mind because it just happened. Two, it's something that that obviously you saw with your own eyes and you have you know you have cameras all over the world on. So, I guarantee you if I, I don't know, like you said there's a lot of other terrible things that have happened in the shadows that people haven't seen and just, have just heard about. But they they're not in the shadows right. anymore. Yeah, like they're no, out right, and, but yeah, they, everybody yeah, knows but about no, them now. You're you're exactly right. That's that's a train that someone thought of and, and people yeah. are piling on cuz there's something to pile on, right? But no, I, I completely agree I think I think a lot of folks are just saying it just for believing it or not just saying it for the retweets and for the social exactly. social media engagement. All right, the main point I want to get to from this though is it's been maybe the last decade really since this has really started. And it kind of started with the Me Too movement. Uh, A lot of people call it the quote-unquote PC culture out there. The safe space, I thought, for like a lot of these jokes for a while, and a lot of people thought this was comedy, right? Stand-up comedy. There are things that nobody would say to someone else in real life. You see in comedy shows, and one of like the biggest stars – 
doing this was Chris Rock in his heyday as a stand-up comedian. It was kind of a, a shock stand-up comedian, right, where he said the things where half the crowd was going, oh, and the other half of the crowd was kind of crying with laughter, right? So I, yeah. the last bastion I thought of that was with stand-up comedy, but over the last 10 years, even stand-up comics have started to have to be careful, and I think it was – George Carlin was the one who said like, you're supposed to, or comedian's job is to find the line and then deliberately step across it. And now it seems more so like comedians are having to kind of straddle that line where if you are completely on the quote unquote right side of being PC, you're not going to do well as a stand-up comedian because the reality of jokes is there's, they're always at someone's expense. Yeah. Right. Like jokes are always at someone's expense, whether they're self-deprecating, whatever they are, they're going to be at someone's expense. So you have to tread that line. And some people do it more carefully than others. Some people just really don't care about it. Uh, I think back to Louis CK would be uh, an example of that uh, before he got into his own mess. But looking at this, I think we now, what Will Smith did last night kind of sets a dangerous precedent where it used to be if someone was so offended by what was being said at a stand-up show, either A, you just turn it off, like whatever you're watching, turn it off and go watch something else, or B, you leave, right? You leave whatever yeah. club you're at watching the stand-up comedy. Like, actually assaulting a comedian, which is, is what Will Smith did. I mean, like, letter of the law, he assaulted Chris Rock. Right. Uh, that, I think, sets a dangerous precedent because I, I think – if you want to go into like first amendment, you're able to say whatever you want to say. I just beyond that, just like what we see as stand-up comedians, you go there understanding that they're going to be saying things that are, you know, a little out there, right. Can be offensive, right. Getting physically violent because of that, I think is extremely dangerous. And I think that can be uh, something that's worrisome for stand-up comedians going forward. Yeah, no, that totally understandable, and I think that that's something that, um, as you just said, has been starting to come up more and more over the past few years, and, and uh, comedians themselves have have talked about it uh, during their shows and, and things like that. So, yeah, no, I I know what you mean, and I I agree with you too. I mean, there's I know I just <laughs> like I just kind of agreed with like, I, it's. Like you said, it's it's a crazy line to kind of try and and figure out what right what's right and what's wrong, and that's part of. I mean, that's what comedy is to a certain extent too. Is as you as you just said, uh, kind of saying those things that no one else is going to say. And um, I, I I think again, like I don't know, it, when when you joke about people's choices or, or things they've you know done in the past or whatever, that's one thing. Uh, I, I do think kind of going at someone's like I, I think the joke was was obviously over the line a right bit. right but, uh, but is the is the reaction to that like is the reaction to that going up on stage like for whatever you believe right if someone was to make an abortion joke during a show would the reaction to be if that offended you so bad to go up on stage and hit him Right. Yeah. Probably not. Probably shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think I think more so what probably you do is there. like you you don't laugh and the comedian has to kind of fall on their sword because they realize because of that. The joke they just made. Yeah. The joke. The joke fell. 
Right. Right. So I just I I think it's interesting. It, it maybe sets like something that could be concerning. Like I hope we don't see a rash of it going forward. Again, you understand the emotion from Will Smith. Lord knows that's been an interesting relationship. And well, I mean that yeah. Yeah, Will Smith led an interesting life, but Chris Rock right. trying to be a comedian, whether he makes a mistake or not, like I think that's pretty dangerous when he gets smacked for doing that. So there you I, go. I, I I like I can agree with you there. Uh, yeah, I I can agree with you there. I it it, I like obviously it could have been a whole lot better. Uh, and it could have been a whole lot worse also. Um, but no, as you said, I mean, Chris Rock is is that type of comedian at the same time. Like, um, he he. Oh no! Go watch no! Like go watch a Chris Trump. Rock stand-up yeah. special. Go watch a Chris Rock stand-up special. That might be like the fifteenth most offensive thing he says. Uh, inside of one of his stand-up specials. So it is what it is. Curious to see if they let him on like the set of Grown Ups 3 now. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. Uh but that, there you go. That's our pop culture talk here on second down. We do have some sports talk to get into. We had a couple of commitments uh from some big time local recruits over the weekend. One of them, Luke Cromenhawk, quarterback there uh, up at Benedictine, going into his junior year, but just committed to Florida State. We're going to catch up with him next. And then a little interesting college football, college basketball uh, discussion when we come back as well. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We'll be back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. All right, PJ, before we get to Luke here, I got to know, if, if someone's up there slandering this player PJ Zuko is walking on stage and just giving him the old Will Smith. Oh man. Um I don't know. Now all all the that's the thi- all the like the like big picture questions you asked me in the last break just has me contemplating a lot of stuff. So now like you know, No, maybe, this is a sim- no this player. is a no, this is a simple you like know? if someone up there goes Saquon Barkley's mid Okay, that's just wrong. Like, I just feel bad for them at that point. You're not going to physically hit him in the face? Probably, and this is like, this is personally my my favorite, uh, my favorite Penn State player of all time. Okay. And, yeah, if if someone is disrespecting Michael Robinson. Let's go. then, Then they need something. Yeah, because just like, not only what he did at Penn State, but in the league as well, switching a fullback, winning a Super Bowl, all the great work he does for NFL Network right now. I mean, just if you're saying something bad about Michael Robinson. PJ Zuko's throwing hands. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a problem. So like you're giving him the old one two or just the old one Will Smith to the face? I think the no, the the one two shouldn't be shouldn't be used for football slander. Or, or anything like that. The the old one two has to be used for something more. That's that's more of a problem, more important, right? But football slander, yeah, you should probably get smacked. Okay, what about a what about opinion wise? Like, is there any like sports take out there that just makes you so mad? Um. I don't no, know. That's not off the top of your head. That's, that's tough. That's there's right there's a lot of sports takes that are just wrong. All right. Uh, but but one that bad. What about when Skip? Hear, what like, about when Skip Bayless says LeBron James is the ninth best basketball player of all time? See, that's just he's just he's just saying that for. I know he's he, one. He's wrong too. He doesn't believe that. 
because how can you watch sports and believe that? So it's it's fine. That's fair. Well, that's just for TV, you know. I mean, and I get that. That's part of the part of the media game, right? You know, it is what it you is. You know who PJ also supports like that is another Robinson, Allen Robinson. PJ Zuko will fight somebody for Allen Robinson. As as someone should, like, I'm just happy he's actually like he's gonna have a quarterback in Los Angeles. He is like not just some guy who should be flipping burgers, right? Like, whoa. It, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't have any, you know, athletic ability throwing the football. Whoa! Like, he's he's gonna be. Able Did you to just come at Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles like that? A lot of people. Goodness a- gracious! Dalton. Yeah. All right. You know, I was kind of excited when when Justin Fields started playing for Chicago because I actually like Justin Fields a baller uh, to me. I, I think he's gonna be a really solid fit up there now that they have a, a coach. Uh, you know, and we'll, he just we'll sideswiped Mike Matt Nagy. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I mean, we'll, we'll you're see, ruthless. We'll see how good of an you, know, you know who's good at actually, you know who is good at throwing a football. You know who is good, good at throwing a football. Yeah, our next guest, uh, Benedict yeah. and Cadet, just committed to Florida State over the weekend. Uh, he's going in awesome. to his junior football season. Currently, still a sophomore though uh, at BC. But Luke Cromanhawk uh, had a chance to catch up with him a little bit earlier. So let's hear what Luke had to say. What was it about the Seminoles that made him want to go ahead and commit? Joining us here on ESPN Radio, Luke Cromanhawk. Thanks for taking the time, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And listen, it's a heck of a turnaround. You playing strong safety there uh, for the state champion, 4A Benedictine Cadets. And now, before you take a snap as a first-team quarterback, you're already committed uh, to a high-level ACC school there at Florida State. What was it about the Seminoles uh, that got your commitment this early? Um, it was mostly, I, I, I had a conversation with my parents and, uh, my quarterback coach down in Jacksonville coach, Denny Thompson. Um, and we just talked about it and I kind of decided that it was the best place for me. I mean, the coaches are unbelievable. Um, they treated me like family right when I got there. Um, the fans are awesome. The history is rich. And, um, I, I really think that, uh, FSU is, is on the rise back up to being one of the best, um, college football teams and college football what did mike norvell sell you on because you kind of mentioned they're on the rise it hasn't been the most successful past few years uh for florida state football or their fans there what what kind of vision uh did he give to you that made you want to spend your college career there um he just he he he's implanted and uh he's put it in all of his players heads that you know they're they're going to be the best um they're doing all the right things they're they're working hard they're training hard and he just there's just something about Coach Norvell that that really makes me believe him when he says that they're going to be the best again. Why so early? You uh, you have a junior season coming up in front of you where it'll be your first time uh, as the starting quarterback there in high school, and then you have a whole another senior season. I know a lot of guys uh, really like to take all the official visits they can take. Uh, some people, heck, I mean, I don't blame them. Uh, you get one chance to be recruited. Uh, just like having the chase, like having all the teams come after him. Why why commit so early? Um, everything just made sense. Um, you know, it's a great program and, um, all the visits that I had taken there, it it just, it it made sense for me to be there. Um, they were my first offer. So, you know, it meant something to me that, that they believed in me first, even without, um, having any film that they offered me. 
so that was part of the reasons and um just my relationship with the coaches uh, it was just it was it was something special and i could tell that uh they were they really meant it and that um that it was just the place that i'd want to be now a little bit about you just as a quarterback because as you mentioned there's plenty of film out out there of you but a lot of it's as a wide receiver a lot of it uh, as a strong safety there for the cadets but as a quarterback what do you feel like you bring to the table um, I'm a leader. Uh, I love to lead. Um, I'm kind of just natural at it. So I'll be a leader, but I'm also the type of quarterback that if I end up having to have to run through a, a big old D lineman to get in the end zone, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm the type of quarterback that, you know, I'll sacrifice my body. Um, if it means the team wins, I'm all about winning and, you know, I just love to succeed. So I'll do whatever it takes to win. Now you had a chance to spend the past few years, uh, with Holden Gariner, who's out at Auburn right now, what are some of the things you learned from him uh, kind of as his understudy? Um, you know, he, Holden was great, a great quarterback, obviously, and uh, he taught me a lot of stuff. Um, some of the things that I took away from him were um, how calm he was. He was very, very calm in the games, um, so I can use that to my advantage. And um, he just also he taught me how to be a leader as well. He was a very, very good leader uh, last year. And... Um, you know, he's a competitor. A lot of people don't know it, but he's a big, big competitor. So um, he kind of taught me, kind of, kind of taught me to compete. So we kind of connected on that. And um, he also taught me a lot of things about defenses and, you know, taught me the plays as well. Now, committing this early, a lot of times the role you see guys take is not only as a commitment, but as an active recruiter. Uh, so does the recruiting process start now for you? Because I know uh, there's a guy you currently play with that you'd probably like to play with in the future, too. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, recruiting definitely, I mean, I'm trying to build up this 2024 class. I've already talked to a bunch of uh, some big-time players, uh, one being Cam Davis. They, uh, he's already committed, and uh, I've talked to him, and, um, you know, we're, we've gotten together, and uh, we're, we're all about building up this recruiting class for, uh, for the Knowles, and uh, we want to make it the best. Um, and uh, I'm going back down there for the spring game uh, in two weeks, and um, – I'm going to talk with Coach Tokart, the, the quarterback coach, and uh, he's going to help me put a list together. And, you know, I'm going to get on get on some guys and uh, try and get them to become Knowles. Who are some guys on this current Cadets team that you could see uh, committing and going on to play some big-time college football? I know Zaquan Bryan, your number one receiver there, uh, has offers from all over the place right now. But who are some people we need to know their names? Um, I think uh, Bryce Baker is a big name. Um, I mean, the dude's a freak. Uh, there was two weeks back to back in the in the playoffs where the dude had 19 tackles. That's unheard of. So I think uh, this year will be a big year for him as a, a rising junior. I think he'll have a huge year. Um, there's also some other guys like Ladon Bryant. I feel he could be very very highly recruited. He's a big, tall dude, six four, and can jump. Uh, so he'll play some receiver. And um, you know Cole Simeon. He's got a couple of offers right now. I think he'll be very very good. And, um, I mean, there's a couple other players, Ashley Edwards, um, Lamont Mitchell. I think all of those dudes are they're good enough to play. Luke Cromanhawk, quarterback at Benedictine, joining us. He's committed uh, to Florida State. Still has a couple years of high school to go before he gets there. But, Luke, when you look at you're committed to Florida State, you're getting all the pats on the back right now. Uh, but I know one guy that's consistently going to be not patting you on the back, but on your back, Coach Danny Britt there. What are some of the things he's identified that you need to work on uh, before you go out there and take over this team? Um, well, he knows that I'm young. 
And um, so we, I, we have had a couple meetings where I've gone into his office and we've talked about it. And um, he wants me to take over the leadership role as a rising junior. Usually it's the seniors that do it, but he wants me to start as a, uh, as a junior. So I'm going to work on him. I'm going to work on becoming a better leader around the guys, you know, gaining the trust of them because I haven't taken a call. I haven't taken a, a snap in high school. So they don't really know what I can do. Um, so I just, you know, kind of, gaining the trust of those those of our players and uh you know kind of just having them have trust in me and uh you know letting me lead them again luke croman hawk joining us here on second down uh, you'll be able to hear all of his games coming up this fall right here uh, on espn radio savannah luke i appreciate the time man congratulations i uh, look forward to seeing you as we start putting those pads back on man yes sir thank you very much for having me so there you go luke croman hawk commits to florida state there pj second big time florida state commitment uh, out of South Georgia here over the past few months as Kenyatta Charlton from Brunswick uh, is already down at Florida State playing for Mike Norvell. But uh, you see Florida State, and they're kind of making some headway now uh, in South Georgia. Two really good players are going to be suiting up for the Seminoles in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, two guys that they can they can bring a lot, I, I think, to the Seminoles for sure. And as you said, it's, it's going to be a few years uh, for Luke as he develops – uh, there is a junior and as a senior there for, for Benedictine, but we've seen already some of his talent, uh, not only on the defense, but uh, c- coming in at certain times for the cadets on the offensive side of things. And honestly, uh, I was there for a few of them. Uh, I know you, you had them all year, but uh, just, just seeing some of the some of the most explosive and, and craziest plays of the year was when Luke Cromenhawk was, was kind of filling in a quarterback there or uh, was, you know, in at the end of a game or, or something like that. And he just comes in and electrifies everybody around him and, and gets in the end zone. So as he said there too, uh, he's, he's a big guy, big body guy, not afraid to get in between the trees, right? Get, get in between the tackles and try and make a play either if he needs to. So uh, there's, there's a lot to like there. If you're a Florida state Seminole, of course, now, He's committed, right? But as you said a few times in that interview, he's Long committed. way it's, to go. It's early. Yeah. it's early, right? And that doesn't mean that all these other teams are, are going to stop, right? So now if if you're a Florida State Seminole, you're very excited. Of course, I'm excited for uh, for him as I am with, with all these players when they uh, announce decisions to, to uh, you know, and, and get these offers and whatnot. But at the same time, now it's all about putting that focus back on developing and also, if, if you're a Seminole fan, holding on to him. And uh, I'm sure, you know, over the next few years, Mike Norvell and that plan he has of getting the Seminoles back to, to kind of being in the, the you know, the top side of, of college football uh, is, is going to be huge in doing exactly that and, and keeping these keeping these recruits held on. Yeah, know? Florida State, a really interesting program to watch. Mike Norvell, it feels like it, he hasn't, really made a ton of progress going up, but more so than that, it just kind of feels like Florida State has kind of stopped the bleeding, I guess is the best way to put it. Things aren't getting worse, and you got to do that before you can start getting better. So it's going to be interesting to watch. There's a lot of bleeding. There there was a lot. There was so much. But Florida State getting better, uh, it seems, one day at a time. Uh, Tough schedule for them coming up in 2022, and don't know what that roster is really going to look like with some of the transfers uh, in and out. But could be a fun team to watch going forward. And again, uh, some really local guys uh, headed down to Tallahassee to help out Mike Norvell and that staff. Kalen Deloach uh, from Islands, 
one of the bigger players on that team. Uh, he's going to have to step up coming up here in 2022 as well. So a ton of really interesting players headed down there. A lot of local ties going to be fun to watch. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. I have a, another philosophical conversation to have with PJ around college basketball and college football conversations, kind of making his rounds around the internet. I want to get our two cents on the situation. We'll talk some final four as well. This is second down on ESPN radio. Second down on ESPN radio, PJ Zuko, Christian Gokel, hanging out with you here. I guess I should say my name first so we don't confuse the people, but you know, I can be PJ for the day. Who knows? And I think, I don't know, by this point, do, do they think they know who, who well, PJ what if, and who Christian What if it's is, a first-time listener, PJ? Maybe. maybe. Chris, Chris, Berman, PJ. Chris Berman said you should never assume what the That's audience true. knows. Understandable. But you know, because like, listen, I like to I like to think that the the audience knows the difference between a, a seven technique and a nine technique. But we got to explain it sometimes. So it is what it is. No, these are my favorite kind of conversations because they're extremely theoretical. We can sit there and we can talk about uh, the backup guard situation for Georgia and spring practice, and that's exactly what uh, we're gonna do tomorrow. But interesting, I, I do love these the, theological, theoretical conversations. I say theological because you know. Sports are religion to us around here. <laughs> but that being said, uh, oh, the, the, the the Saint, the Peacocks, man, St. Peter's, they had a great run uh, through the NCAA tournament, but it ended the way we all knew it was going to end, just getting absolutely bludgeoned uh, by a superiorly talented team. And, you didn't know that. Yeah, we you did. We, yeah, you do know. And You thought it was going to be Kentucky, didn't you? No. Nope. No. You know, I thought Kentucky, if there was going to be a team you could upset, it was probably Kentucky. Uh, I want you to remember, PJ, Always, as we were yeah. standing – in the front of our office there, in front of the TV, you asked me if I filled out a bracket. I said no, which is bad, but I, I should have done it, but it is what it is. Uh, but then you asked me, okay, well, who do you think is going to win? Who did I say was going to win, PJ? Do you remember? Um, off the top of my head, no. North Carolina. Uh, and as we sit here, eight-seeded North Carolina is in the final four, so, you know, okay. I can yeah. flex a little bit, but... The conversation that has started to happen is everyone says St. Peter's is great for college basketball, great for the sport. I would say more so than that, the sport is great for St. Peter's because kind of what Coach K said is they're about to make some cheese just off of this appearance that they made into the Elite Eight. Uh, all of the like the enrollment, the people looking at their basketball program, season ticket sales next year, they're about to make some cheddar. Uh, I mean, yep. this is a team that's walking in to an Elite Eight game with their warmups that don't have their school logo on them, right? So it's they're about to make some money, but they think it's great for college basketball. This is why college football needs more teams so you can have a run like a St. Peter's. It makes the sport more interesting, uh, more parity. You'd have upsets. You'd have close games in the playoffs. I, I'll give my opinion, then I'll let you give yours because I know I always throw these theoretical conversations on you and don't give you a chance to really think about it. So I'll give you my point and then see what you think. You know me. I am very hesitant to expand the playoffs at all because I think the regular season for college football does a good enough job. Every now and then you have five teams in college football where you're like, yeah, those, those five teams could have an argument for being the best team in the country. Like those five teams could beat each other on any given Saturday. The rest of college football, you're like, it would be a huge upset if they beat them, and it probably won't happen. More often than that is you have one, maybe two teams where you're like, that's just the best team. They're going to win. Like Usually we, we know Clemson and Alabama for the past few years, 
have been two of those teams, right? Uh, Georgia will pop up. You think Oklahoma, but then they get to the playoffs and it just, it all goes down. It all goes down the drain, right? So you usually know 2019, we knew LSU was the best team just based off what we saw over a, what, how many games you have to win before you get to the 13 games, right? They, they beat Alabama. They beat a Georgia. They beat the hell out of a ton of really good teams. Like, yeah, that's probably the best team in college football. Then they score or throw six touchdown passes in the first half against Oklahoma. Right, so it's you usually know who the good teams are in college football and college basketball. Maybe it's just because there's so many more teams. I'd say there's twenty to thirty teams every year that have a realistic shot of winning the national championship, and that's because these sports are so different for a lot of different reasons. Right, college basketball, you have to be there for one year before you can go to the NBA. So a lot of times, the best teams or the quote unquote star-wise best teams are the youngest teams, a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds on those teams, whereas college football, you have to be there for at least three years. So St. Peter's, yeah. one of the reasons they were so good is the average age of that team. They those they had some 23, 24-year-olds on that basketball team, right? Whereas they're playing teams uh, like in Kentucky that have a lot of 18, 19-year-olds on that team. So even if the talent's better, those guys just have more experience, like, in general, you know, because they've been alive longer, uh, but they have more experience playing college basketball than a bunch of freshmen. But it's just basketball in and of itself lends to upsets much more than football does because football is decided by 350 pounders at the line of scrimmage. And if I have guys who go 340 across the front and they're too deep, like I can just rotate them out like a hockey line change and you have a couple of 300 pounders, and once you start getting into your depth, you're pulling up unranked guys that had no stars coming out of high school. Things are going to get embarrassing really fast, right? It's kind of like it's what we saw from Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I'd say they're the first line on their depth chart, right? Their first teamers, that was about as good as anybody outside of Georgia and Alabama in the country. Right, You had two NFL corners out there. Desmond Ritter uh, is going to be on an NFL roster. Ford, the running back, was really good. Myjay Sanders, the defensive lineman, was really good. And they had solid dudes playing linebacker, really good defensive line. Like You you line that first team up with most teams around the country, and it, it's, it's one of the best. Right? But what happened when they played Alabama? Alabama just said, we're going to hand the ball uh, to Brian Robinson, who's been super okay. And he's going to go for 200 yards against you because you have nothing. You have no answer. Once you have to substitute on the line of scrimmage, there's nothing you can do. So when I hear, hey, expand the playoffs, it'll lead to more upsets. My question is, who? Do you consider a four over a five an upset or a five over a four an upset? Because that's really the only place you're going to see upsets. If we did this this year and you had a, what, 16-team playoff, who would have been 16? Like Tennessee? Someone like that? I'm honestly asking. Wisconsin? Like, were they one of those? Uh, I mean, the, uh, Tennessee wasn't up there. Uh, I mean, they were. Let's what, look at the final. At that point? I mean, like, uh, but uh, a team like Wisconsin might have been. Yeah. Uh, there they were, you know, a team like, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, some of the the other uh, SEC teams or probably there. I mean, there was probably one or two uh, Pac-12 teams up there. Let's see. Probably Oklahoma. No, Oklahoma. So there you go. So like, yeah. I'll just give you 14 through 18, Oregon, Iowa, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, and NC state. Right. Like 
Are are they pulling the upset? Are they beating Alabama? I mean, probably most likely not. Um, but I also wouldn't be an advocate for a sixteen team playoff, so I can't. Okay, so if I, if I it was really eight, no, so if it was eight, if it was an eight team playoff, it would have been Alabama Ole Miss again. Yeah, right. And Alabama um, beat the hell out of Ole Miss. They beat the hell out of Ole Miss, but I think you also maybe you change your game plan a little bit if you're Ole Miss, because uh, quite honestly, I think the game plan failed them more than more than a lot of other things. Um, but I mean, I I get what you're saying. I I think the argument. Not your argument. I think the argument that people are starting to come up with is wrong. It's coming from a wrong place. I think the re—I'm a big reason person, right? right? You should argue for something, but if your reasons off or if your reasons wrong, then that's a problem. Um, saying that we should have an expanded college football playoff because look, because look at the success that the college basketball has. It, like you said, it's a completely different sport. It's a completely different field. Uh, that there's different talent levels. I mean, in college basketball, you have teams that that are made up of, like you said, complete freshmen. Their first ten guys that they use on the roster, if they go ten deep, are all freshmen. They're all five star, and they're all probably getting drafted next year. So they really got only one shot, and they have basically no chemistry together and that's why you see them lose right and then you have other teams that are full of seniors and juniors and have that yeah. so it's it's a very different aspect uh so i think the argument there is is wrong so like, uh, do i think it should be expanded a little bit yes because i i think having five power conferences and then having another five quote unquote i don't group of five conferences and then only having four spots to make up your your college football playoff, I just don't think that makes any sense. Listen, I hate going um, back to the same point over and over again, but it's like it's the reality is a majority of the semifinals matchup, and those are the top four teams have just been bludgeonings. And I just I think with college football, right, uh, you have a St. Peter's that runs through college basketball, and they make a run like this. They don't beat just one team; they beat a few teams to get to the elite eight. They make a crazy run to get there, right? You you've had teams in the past. Was it Duke that got upset? Uh, was that the first 16 over a one seed? Was that Mercer? Yeah, it was Duke. Uh, no, it was uh, it was some four four ac- four letter acronym. It's like U U C M B or something. I think I, Mercer was, had a big one, like in the not too distant they, past they did. too. It, it, but I think they had a 14 over a three. Yeah, but something something two. crazy like that, or a Georgia State over Baylor, right? You have those, and those are awesome runs. Uh, and you see those teams sometimes win a couple games like we just saw with St. Peter's. But then when you have that in college football, it lives in college football forever. Like App State over Michigan lives in college football forever. You know why? Because it's so absurd that it happened. And what it took for that to happen was just so astronomically crazy that it you just don't see it. So it's it's just two completely different sports, two different styles of seasons, right? You can lose... 11, 12 games in college basketball and still win the national championship, you, you can maybe lose one in college football and do that. So it's just, I, it, I, I don't think you could compare those two sports because I think they're apples to oranges. I, I think the success of March Madness on its own is because of that. It's March Madness. You have a sport that lends itself to upsets. College football, you have a sport that lends itself to, I'm bigger and stronger than you, more likely than not, uh, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. And it's not going to be overly competitive until we get to the national championship if then let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue this conversation. Get you ready for three and out next right here on second down. This is what happens when PJ and I start talking theology, theoretical, 
any other Theos you can you can throw out there. We just pay zero attention to the clock, so I have very limited time here. But I, what I can tell you is three and out is coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. BJ Bennett, Finn Troop, and Kevin Thomas updating you uh, Brave Spring training. We'll also catch up with Tony Barnhart talking some college football here as well. All that coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. If you missed any portion of our show, you can check all of it out on ESPNCoastal.com.